Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Lovely, lovely. Does it say recording your end somewhere? Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Fantastic. Well, I just realised, well, not that I didn't know this, but it is, we're actually recording on St Andrew's Day. Yeah, indeed. Which is, which is very fitting because I am delighted to say that I am speaking to Alec Douglas and Martin Gillespie of Scarivore. Hello. Hello there. I feel like it should have been like some sort of pyrotechnics or some or fanfares there. We're not used to that. No, don't worry about it. <laughs> but it's lovely to be speaking to you both. I'm really delighted to have you on the Brown the Brief. And I've got so many questions, but I guess like if we're going to go chronologically, maybe, I don't know, I'm going to take you like way back and I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but I'm I'm really just interested in the origins of the band and like when and where it all started, because I know you've been going for some time now. Do you want to take that one, Martin, since you're older than me, so... (laughs) Not very much, a couple of months (laughs) Oh, we've started now Uh, Well, the band sort of originated on Tyree many moons ago But I think it sort of started, myself and Daniel, my brother We're obviously from Tyree and Fraser, who plays drums Used to go eh, go to Tyree on holiday And he went to school with Alec Um, So then Alec came up to Tyree a few times as well And the kind of four of us met that way And I think the first gig was actually Dan I think Dan and Fraser done a couple in Dan, Fraser and Alec had done one in Livingston for Alec. It was your school, Alec, wasn't it? It was for my headmistress uh, retiring, yeah. Like, we just put a band together and that was sort of the first edition of Scary War before Martin got down to Glasgow, I think. So that was when you were still at school then? Yeah, yeah I was still, yeah, just just about to leave school to go to uni that kind of time, yeah. And then that, that sort of summer that me and Alec left school, we kind of done our first sort of tour. Um, it was a four-piece that done the sort of west coast of Scotland, so like to Euston, Barran, Lewis, and um, over to Oban and Kilhone and stuff. So that was that was quite eye-opening. as the first sort of tour, but some laugh, and and then we, we kind of went. We, myself and Alec had obviously just left school, and we were going to Glasgow to go to uni. And, um, Dan and Fraser were still at uni, and we just kind of kept gigging. No, we didn't really have any aspirations. I think at that point of this is what we're going to be doing for the rest of our lives, but it just kind of grew and grew. And, um, scary World developed and then Craig he went to uni with Alec and Fraser and that's how we kind of met Craig and then sort of the band just sort of grew as, as the years went on but no, it was, it was, it was, I mean they were probably some of the best times actually those, those early couple of years more doing the islands what, what a laugh we used to have it was great but well, I'm just thinking like we were all in a band when we were at high school even I was in a band but like you know I'm definitely not still in a band like to, to take something that you start when you're at school it's such like a formative time in your life especially like you're moving on to uni and your world's going to expand like for that to continue like there was obviously something quite special there that you all felt or just like they needed to continue despite you were all going off to do your your thing going to study and is there kind of like a standout moment where you were like do you know what this is actually like we're actually good and like this is actually taking off I think like the probably the difference is that when we were all going off to do our own thing after school, it was to go and do music. So I was going to go to study music. So so was Fraser. Martin went to well, what was the the Royal Academy at the time in Glasgow, and so we kind of met through the fact that we were kind of wanting to do music as a career to, to some degree. Apart from Dan, who was actually doing sport 
but it was always big into music. It wasn't it wasn't really just like a, a sort of passing hobby. It was playing accordion was something he was really into and put a lot of work into. So I think if you'd told him there was a prospect that that could be your job, he obviously would have jumped at it as well, you know. Um, so so I think there was always that was always there that, like Martin says, there was no intention when we started Scary Vore necessarily that that would be a job. But for me, it was always hopefully going to be my job in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And then, to be honest, I just couldn't get rid of them after that. Uh, <laughs> Still can. <laughs> I, says, I said, right, you can join, join in for a gig. And then they just wouldn't go away, and it's like seventeen years later, you know. <laughs> Bad pennies. And another four members as well. It's got too many now. <laughs> well, that's the thing, you know. And we'll we'll go into, I'm sure, like you know, the evolution of the band and things that have happened, and just stuff that you could never have imagined. But that's just like you know, having done it for what is it over fifteen years now? Is that right? Yeah, it's a fifteenth year. Yeah. You know that it's just like you've grew up with the band and um, I was listening to some of your music just before I come on and just even like listening to the stuff from like 2005 to now you know obviously there's that traditional element throughout it but your latest single it's like a, it's a banger that's a tune as someone who loves traditional music and worked for a Scottish dance company keeping the traditions alive in whatever way shape or form is like so important and that was that was my job when I was at that trust to to make Kaylee cool to get people excited about Scottish dance and Scottish music. For you, like, growing up, so even, like, you know, as youngsters, was just music in your life all the time? And was it necessarily traditional music or was it a real mix? Yeah, I, I was certainly majority traditional growing up in Tyree. We were really lucky. We were just sort of steeped in traditional music, having the, mm. having the opportunity to learn, like, accordion and pipes and... There was fiddle tutors, flute tutors, like Gaelic singing, classic and stuff. So we were kind of just steeped. And there was all those Kayleys and stuff. So it was very, I was very traditional. My eyes got opened when I moved to Glasgow. Found out what a trumpet was and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> you heard, heard the disco music for the first time. The, first you know? time. the, the disco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I, about I, you, Alec? Mine's was slightly different. I'm from Livingston, so there's obviously no real traditional you know, grounding and music there. Well, certainly not for me anyway. And I was brought up like probably most people in the central belt with general, you know, chart, pop and rock. And then my parents taste in music, which which was a good taste in music. And there was a lot of music in my in the family home that my dad sang and played guitar and had a huge record collection and listened to all the classic stuff. So I was I was brought up with all of that. My only real knowledge of anything about my own culture in terms of music was really things in the radio that you'd hear like probably what looking back what would have been like take the floor or something like that with Robbie Shepard uh, that's that's probably what I knew and I loved that stuff I thought that dance band stuff was was brilliant but I had no idea what it was I just thought it was like mad Scottish stuff on accordions you know and then when I met uh, like Daniel he played accordion and played this stuff I was like all right there, there's somebody who actually does it in real life I've never really heard anybody do it and then I realized that Quite quickly, we were probably when we started doing it, we were in some sort of like resurgence, and it actually been quite cool that if you were in a band who did that, and it was you'd put some sort of contemporary edge to it in terms of me not coming from that background and Fraser not coming to that from that background, bringing that other style into it. It, it was something that people were doing and was quite cool, you know. So, like you say, it was not something that uh, we deliberately tried to do, but we kind of just found ourselves in amongst that. When we started, there was people doing it and it was kind of cool to be mm. be a traditional musician and be in a band and stuff so 
Yeah, because I think like back to that time. So I, like when I worked at the Dance Trust, it was like kind of 2005 and it was like your peat bog fairies and your salsa Celtica and red hot chili papers. And like it made my job a lot easier to make that kind of traditional vibe in schools especially do you know what I mean I was coming in going right kids Kelly's cool and they were like I'm not holding empty's hand they're all giving each other their sleeves and all that you know and it was just about putting that kind of spin on things a new sound but still very much like a celebration of the traditional sound and the traditional instruments and like you've got to keep these things alive like they, they can't disappear were you conscious of your sound being a particular way or was it just like we're just coming together we're just jamming we're just creating a sound and whatever feels good for us that's what we'll go with well I think it was kind of been like a, a natural development we never sort of planned to sound a certain way or, we just kind of think everybody's different influences is kind of what is now developed into what the scary war sound is because we always get asked what, what is the scary war sound can you explain it it's kind of hard because there are so many different influences in the band so um, we never actually, I mean, obviously at the start we were very traditional. That's first year it was all just for Kayleigh's, but then Alex started singing and stuff, and that's when the, the sort of sound changed and developed more into what Scary Bone is. Yeah, I think it's like Martin said, it's really just everyone's own personal taste and the way they play and the styles they were used to playing in. And they just sort of, at the very start, it would be like, well, if Daniel or Martin play a tune on the on their instrument, because I wasn't brought up in it, the, the, the immediate go-to wasn't the chords and things you're taught as a trad accompanist to play along with. I didn't know what that mm. was, so I, I just went, well, if it's in the key of A, I'll just play things I know in the key of A, and that would have been like Niall Rogers from Chic and stuff, and I just went, well, that, that kind of thing I'll go along with as well, and I just did mm. stuff like that, because there was no other option for me. I, and then I heard other people doing what the the trad accompaniment was, and I was like, oh, that's brilliant as well, and then got into that and it all sort of mixed together and I think everyone in the band is like that in their own way you know Mm. and like your creative process has that evolved over time or do you tend to is there someone that kind of kicks things off in terms of like you know you starting with a tune or starting with the lyrics or is it just very organic like how it happens in the moment I think it's kind of always been similar to the way it is now to some degree like somebody in the band writes a main thing and then comes to the band with it like if it's a tune, mostly it'll be written. Other people have written tunes, but most of the time Martin's written a tune in the pipes and sent it through as a wee voice note or just we've been in the studio and he's played it. Or sometimes we'd go away for a weekend and just stay in a cottage for the whole weekend and just work through ideas in a relaxed way and people would just play what they had and would jam out that way. But mostly it'd be that one person would come up with a, a main melody if it was a tune or I'd write a song by myself that was was the whole song really with ideas of how I thought it would go and then we'd bring it to the band and that that's still the same now really apart from that I've got slightly more studio know-how so I'd maybe form the demo track for a bit more even more throughout than I would have done uh, years in the past kind of thing but Mm. and that's the thing I guess about going on to study music you know you would have then it would have opened your world to to what the possibilities and things that you've just learned over time like all of you is developing as musicians that that'll be then influencing you all the time in terms of what your sound is and how you work and what kind of works for you as a band yeah yeah, yeah def- definitely and you can learn off each other as well i think that's mm-hmm. definitely one thing is you, you learn off other people's influences and what, what they do and how they approach stuff as well so it's great in that sense and you spoke about the kind of the evolution of the the, the lineup and people coming into the band like from that the early days and having the setup and then more people coming in and, and 
collaborations and other things that you've done throughout the years is there that kind of sense of like this is I mean it's your baby it's what you started with is it difficult to to branch out and let other people into that clan almost or are you very much just like yeah we'll just go with our gut and see what's right yeah I think it it definitely has has got the feeling of it being like your baby because like you say we've we've had it right from the start and we've just lived our lives through it you know like we've, we've grown up with being in the band being around each other all the time and you just it's difficult certain to let certainly to let people in and manage it or run it in any way because not me so much but we have the cutting you know other guys in the band have become good business people as well and so we, the whole thing does kind of run itself so in that sense we've always kind of kept it as much in-house as possible but and again even with the sound producer wise and stuff like that, we, we have always found it difficult to just let somebody have free reign because we're always going I'm, I'm not sure a we like it or that the people who like us would like it you know and sometimes mm-hmm. that's maybe to our detriment you know maybe we should just try and relax sometimes but it's hard it's hard and when you and when we have done it before it's turned out to be a lot of rubbish so we're just like we just don't want to do it we're just always wary of letting people get involved with messing with it you know so it's just a difficult one i think even in a financial sense i think we could have stuck at the four-piece band it might have been easier for the last 10 years as well i mean if only we'd be tracking back then <laughs> all these talented folk that we knew and we had to bring them on board yeah. Jeezo. <laughs> but no i totally understand that just like i've got a dance trip you know when you've got your unit and it works like it is very difficult to open it up but i guess it's just like well if you want things to develop and you want things to grow and the bigger the fan base gets you know the more responsibilities the more options you've got of touring the world and doing gigs and merchandise and all that kind of stuff and i guess we'll, we'll get into that but um going back to the music for a second i wonder if at this moment in time they're is there like a standout track for either of you that you're just like that for me just sums up Scary Vore and what we're all about or that you know for me that's my favourite track I mean it's I guess like picking your favourite child but is there like a standalone track that just for you just sums everything up what would you say Martin uh, I'd probably take my hand I think in the last couple I think that's, that's probably definitely one of our biggest I think I think it's, it's just it kind of just nails the Scary Vore sound quite a bit as well you know it's Certainly we do it live as well because the pipes, on the actual studio track, the pipe isn't it, but I think we do it live at the pipes and at the end as well, so you're kind of just getting the full, the sort of full bang, you know, of mm. what it is. I think it's a good representation of, if I were to send somebody one track, you know, that would probably be the one I would I would pick, I think. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. I just wanted to see what Martin would say first, but, uh, you know, we've obviously just got this new track out as well, so you always think that that's going to be like, that's the best one and all that, so... But it's not been out long enough to be like, oh, that's just classic Scary Vore because it's just brand new. So, yeah, I'd probably say Take My Hand as well because although I've written other songs that I think, well, hopefully were people actually liked, I think that's that's definitely one that got got us sort of more recognition, you know, and people have uh, picked up on a lot more. And I think it has, like Martin said, has all, all the different elements of what we are as a band, you know, as, a, as that slow part of the start that people use for their their first dance at a wedding, which is how we started out, was playing home with Donegal at people's weddings, you know, so it's got that, it's got that bit. And then it's got mm-hmm. the like you say, as the pipes come in, it's got the it's got the the feel of a um headline a festival t- type thing. That's that's what we're trying to do when I was coming up with it. So I think that kind of encompasses what we what we do as a band, as a as a song, yeah. Absolutely. And I'm just thinking like you're mentioning, you know, the early days of performing at people's weddings to then sell out arena gigs or festival gigs 
I guess every single gig for you will have like a blasting memory, whether it's like a positive one or not so. But um, have there been like highlight moments where you're just like, you're in the moment and you're just like, this is bananas. Like, how did we end up here? Yeah, probably quite a lot. I'm trying, it's also a hard question. There's definitely a lot, a really lot of good festivals we've been, we've been lucky enough to perform at over the years. I mean, even, you know, like Tuna in Denmark, which is probably one of the biggest so European festivals we've had a some of me, like the one I was just looking at videos the other day we were doing something that was Alan had sent through I think it was that Saturday night gig with him there was 15,000 folk you just, you've seen the video from the stage and I, I remember coming on stage all the time and just standing watching at the back and just like that's <laughs> pretty class but then you, you go to like even one of the best gigs I still think was I think it was 2013 in Tyree at TMF and you know it's obviously a lot smaller crowd but just um, we were sort of flying at that point as well and we got a really good reception mm-hmm. there's, there's Robin Live that we've done for our, uh, like 15, our 10 year anniversary with an Oban and stuff with a few great gigs there as well at Mossfield I think I think Oban's the big one for me where I, where I was just like kind of astonished by it because sometimes you just I think you just have to get on with it and if you were standing there like taking in how overwhelming it was you just like you'd be terrified of going look at all these people and all that you know like, but um, but Oban was one because it's like our own thing that we, we ran ourselves Normally, you just turn up at a, a stage like that and a crowd like that, and it's somebody else's festival, and you're mm-hmm. just there to do your hour set and be like, "That was a good gig." They were all up for it, but th- that one was just like, "Well, they're all there because we we put this on," you know. Like, so that that felt very different. I was just looking and going, "I can't believe this is something that's not just something we're playing at. It's our our thing," you know. So that that's the one for me. I think not that really. I put it on uh, Daniel Martin and another team of people put it on, but it was still. It was still, still generated from our 10 year. It wouldn't, Owen wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the 10 year anniversary Scary Board gig when, when, we, when we tried it the first time. Thankfully, it worked. Well, that's the thing, like, you know, that fan base that you've accumulated over the years, like, that's in itself, like, such an achievement. And you must just meet people all the time that are just massive fans and followed you from, you know, almost from day one. How is that, like, having fans, like, and meeting people that do? adore your music and follow it and you know are trying to come to every gig and have gone the extra mile to be a loyal fan yeah it's, it's pretty pretty incredible. i always say that like i think even from the very start we, we've always been pretty big on speaking and socializing with people that come to gigs and like we're, we're all very people persons that's the way you put it as well so it's like we're always just trying you know speak to folk and like, i think even now I was, I was doing an interview recently and i was asked like how support of our following is like even just in the pandemic since that started it's been incredible to us like whether it's been from the everyday heroes our live album the release the live stream the new single it's like our, our fans they're so, they're so loyal and like you know they're, they're always supporting us at any opportunity they can so and obviously we've we're lucky enough we've been touring for such a long time so we've managed to, to build up a, a fair bit but even from going to certain places we always know we could probably phone somebody and if we were stuck and needed help we could always phone somebody and get help and stuff so it's just like it's, it's it's been pretty incredible. Yeah, like like Martin said, we've we've almost become friends with a lot of people as well because we've we've known them for so long. You know, like whole families that have come to gigs, and we just kind of know them all kind of personally. Some of them, you know, so it's it's kind of great that you can actually have that relationship with some fans. Like you say, that it's important that what you're putting into. Obviously, your fans appreciate that you do recognize and you do appreciate everything that they give to you you know and like you know that you do take the time to speak to fans and get to know them and, and build that relationship like that's important and obviously you can't know everybody and you can't speak to everybody at every gig but just that rapport that you've got it, that must be important but for you I guess that that's important too because 
you're in it because you love music and you love performing and you need that live element. I mean, it's great producing music and putting out albums and streaming and doing stuff online, but nothing beats like the live experience, surely. Totally, yeah. yeah I think it's without them, we wouldn't be. Without the fallen, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing, so we need them and it's like, we just always try, we just always try like, keep things keep things moving and give them give them new material and new, mm. new projects and hopefully new gigs soon once, once we can get back to doing some live performances. So. That's something that we always try to do as well as like people I think come to a scary board gig for a night out. It's not it's not just music fans necessarily who who are there solely hopefully they're there because of the music, you know but you know what I mean mm. like people see it as I'm gonna make a big night out of this and it's gonna be a bit of a, a party. So Definitely, like you say, the live element's always been a huge part of our success, I think. so. Mm. And even when we do albums, it's a struggle to get it quite with the same energy that we do live because that's, that's how we started as a band. You know, it wasn't, we were never a, we're going to go into the studio and try and sound like the Beatles type band. We were always just a jamming together type thing, you know, so. Of course. And like, you know, aside from doing these amazing gigs and standout moments for, for you personally, I know that you've won you know, an array of accolades and awards and ha- have there been, again, significant markers in the lifetime of Square for so far that you've just been like, that was nice to to put that on the shelf or that was like a, a really standout moment or something that just kind of made it all worthwhile? Yeah, I mean, we've had a few awards that have been nice to get over the years. And I think one of the significant ones is anything that you get from the, the Scottish Trad Music Awards. That's kind of the big one. Especially for us, because we're not from from exactly the same style and place that a lot of the the winners of these things come from. They're like maybe a lot more steeped in tradition and and don't mix things up as much as we do. So we always kind of feel a wee bit like outsiders in that scene to some degree, you know, because we you, you wouldn't go scary board or like a trad band really. There is a lot of pop rock element to it as well. So. What, what did we win? We won twice with that man. Like live act of the year. Those that those were good to win, um, and definitely feel like significant awards when when you feel like a wee bit like an outsider to that scene to some degree. Hopefully, we'll still win like a Grammy or something yet. Though we'll see. Aye, of course. <laughs> Listen, thoughts become things, and in terms of that kind of almost that imposter or outsider vibe. Is that something that overly concerns you? And have you had anybody kind of say, oh, you know, like, I, I don't really get that kind of mix of traditional and rock? And, you know, certainly in the, the dance world, like, I remember, I, I've told this story before in the podcast, but because I was mixing Scottish dance with, like, hip-hop or Scottish dance with Bollywood, so I was doing this kind of fusion thing, and some people were just like, do not... I mean, it was a, a very small few people, but, you know, some people were just like, do not mix with the traditions, do not play with them. I remember I did a photo shoot, and I had a crop top on and I ke- a kill and oh my word, somebody actually wrote a letter of complaint. <laughs> <laughs> so they did. You know, you're just like, it's, music's music. It's and it's all influenced by each other and but for some reason some people are just very predictive over traditional music and traditional dance and traditional, you know, song and stuff. So I wonder has that been some a concern at all for you as a band? Not not a concern, but I think you never. I think you can realise at the start you're never going to please everybody because if you listen back to our very first album to what it is now, I mean, there's, I still know people from home, like from the west coast, that still prefer they would rather listen to us 15 years ago than what they would now. But that's just everybody's entitled to their, their own opinion. You will get folk to say, "Oh, you shouldn't be," because like, we had brass and summer tracks 
one of the albums and stuff, but oh, you can't be doing that. And I said, well, it's just like, it's people's own personal yeah. opinion. Music's down to personal taste and opinion. You said, mm. doesn't matter what you do in life, you're never going to please everybody. So yeah, if you're pleasing a large number, you're, you're doing well. So. I'm, not, I'm not really sure where we'd be if we hadn't done any of that, though. So if we just stuck with exactly what we did in the first album, there's no way we'd be here all these years later having done anything like this. So, and not that we did all these steps to deliberately do something, but you know, if we'd taken the advice and had the fear enough of like the original very small fan base and went, we better just stick with that because I don't see this going anywhere. Then that's probably exactly what would have happened, you know. Like so, we just did whatever we liked, and imagine people didn't mix styles and do stuff like that. Like, nothing would, nothing would change at all. So, and you might not like it. Might not be. You can you can by all means like the original more traditional version, but it's absolutely ridiculous to suggest that you should never change it up because yeah. you'd just be staying still, wouldn't you? Plus, think, it's creativity. You have yeah. to, you know, you have to encourage that. You have to just go with your gut with whatever feels right. Like you're saying, not be overly concerned about, you know, obviously you're, you're still got that, I guess, in the back of your mind, like are our fans, our scary war fans going to appreciate this new track or this new sound that we're, we're testing out? But at the end of the day, if it feels right for you as a band, like if it's no broke, don't fix it. Like you, you've been doing your thing for all this time and it's worked out. So I guess you've just got to go with your gut. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. We personally don't have the the kind of tastes in music that would be something that would be wild. Like we're not we're not like secretly one day just dying to put in like some mad acid jazz tinge to the whole thing. Oh, it's like we just God. we just all we're lucky that we all like pop music and stuff, and we go, oh, that's got a good hook to it. That's catchy. That tune mm. is good. That's if we think it's something we'd we'd enjoy playing and listen to then hopefully other folk would you know so yeah and that's what i think about your latest like track it's just got that hook where you're just like i'm there it's a brilliant track i love it i totally love it that's that's always the key when i it's the same with martin i'm sure when he's writing a pipe tune as well that there's it's not the same as a pop song but there's still there's still the pop songs of the pipe tune world as well where everybody goes that's an absolute cracker because you just know there's like a certain wee certainly line in the tune that just repeats and you go that that one's going to want one be one that sticks you know and the same with me i i, I always I, I like writing pop songs you know even if it's in the style of scary vore whatever that is i always want to have the the guys play a melodic bit that's a, a riff that's a hook or the melody be something that you'd really want to sing along to you know Mm. In terms of like other opportunities that the band have had, like you mentioned, like travel earlier on, have there been particular places that you've been able to go as a band that you're just like, this could never imagine that would have happened, and just experiences of the culture and the music there as well, the places that you've visited. Yeah, we've certainly been very lucky. Um, well, the countries we've got, to, I think the big, I still think about even going to the US. I think could be two. It's probably one of our biggest markets now is the US, and you know, what, what would thirty odd states now, Alec? Is it? Aye, it's like nearly 35 or something, I think. Eh? I mean, we're lucky if we get two out there a lot. It's just, you know, it's, a lot of states are very different as well. And it's, it's good out there. We've been to Asia, to, to Shanghai and Beijing and stuff. So it's um, a lot in Europe and Germany and uh, Denmark and stuff as well. So we're very, very, very lucky. Although we go to America a lot and I still feel like when we go places, it feels like you're in the movies over there and stuff. Like, and it's, it's always like, it's always kind of still great fun. If you think back to how we ended up in China and the stage we were at as a band, we were doing well and we were doing the right kind of thing that would get us a gig out there, you know, like because it was part of like, um, you know, connecting a, a new flight route, Scotland to China and stuff like that. So we were doing some, like cultural 
attache ambassador type thing here's the band and all that so we were doing that kind of stuff but we we're still very much just like a, a band of absolute rascals just <laughs> you know like touring about the west coast highlands and islands and just yeah. partying and all that and we're just like what what are we up to out here with, with the suits on out in china doing these corporate gigs and all that it was just hilarious feeling back to it and the funny the funny thing is about that one of those china gigs as well we're talking about it was all black tie events and like i say we we're just rascals have got this gig they lost all our stuff and they get in the <laughs> they had to pay for us to go get something to wear that night for this big corporate black tie event couldn't find anything like that in the shops in china so we all ended up like with all this gear we looked like the backstreet boys honestly it was all jack like- jones went it was jack jones shop that's all we could find but no translators so we didn't know like we couldn't speak to anybody it's all all ripped jeans and like checked shirts and all that and just like this black tie event like what have they hired here you know like, the accordions on and all that well so i got another pipe then because i was meant to have a full kilt and all that to pipe in the first first minister at the time I think it was the first minister one, and it was uh, I, I jean, ripped jeans and this like sort of trendy Jack Jones t-shirt on. Just like there was a guy, there was another Scottish boy there that was doing the whiskey taste, and he, he's when he goes to what is he used to come as the Backstreet Boys or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like sack your stylist. Oh, stylist. Like, <laughs> you, you had to get another guitar, and all that, didn't you? Exactly, that went missing as well. Aye, they lost everything, and we didn't. I don't think we even got it back until the the day before we left either. Yeah. We? What about we inside out pairs of breeks for three days? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, oh, that these are things though. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, it's not all like glitz and glamour. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. when you're traveling, it's just all that stuff that you've you know got to be concerned with and flights and things getting lost and or lost in translation, of course, as well. But uh, makes for a good story. I'll make for a good scary war book for sure. If we could remember it, that would be the thing. We we keep saying we need. To- we need to write some of these things down because Aye. it's not until you start telling one story that it sparks another one that you remember. But yeah, we, we have a lot of stories and especially down that route as well of, like you say, every, everything that we've had the opportunity to do has been amazing. But some days you just, it's tough, you know, like how, how hard it is to do the job on the non-glamorous side of just traveling for hours. Like literally at points you've been like, I've been awake for like a solid 48 hours here and, yeah. and things have just gone at an absolute right. riot we've lost the bags we've missed a flight we've, it's just a total disaster and you're just looking going what are we actually up to like I cannot be bothered with this at all like, and then I've got to go on stage and like uh, that's, right. yeah. that's the easy bit sometimes is getting on the stage you can get a few drinks and just get it done but... <laughs> totally you're like do you know how much effort it took for us to get to you you better like this <laughs> but that kind of like on stage thing like on stage persona is that something that you've had to think about or be overly concerned about as a band? Like, is there any sort of choreography or are you thinking about what you're wearing as a band or is it just very much like we're just going with whatever works for each individual person? I think it's something that we've had to become more comfortable with because none of us are particularly, although we sound quite gallus when we're talking to you now, you know, we're not really we're not really people who originally would be particularly show-offy and confident in a sort of like stage setting particularly I think we've all had to grow into that because we'd at the start would be very much like shoegazing like playing your instrument and not really want to be like here we are dancing about Mm. not really theatrical type characters so it's I suppose more than then it's just getting was getting comfortable over a long period of time so now obviously we've been at it years but we, we know who we are and who we can be on stage and be quite comfortable mm. with it. So I don't think we need to really choreograph it or anything like that, but it's just, it has certainly taken a long time to be like, 
I'm all right with this and I don't yeah, feel too stupid yeah. parading about on the stage or something, you know, like definitely mm. for me anyway. But yeah, it's certainly, it's, I think it's, it's probably developed our music over the years as well. Like, even just like some of the tune sets, because like myself and Scott have got bits that we know like we'll come together and if it's two double up pipes and stuff like that. So things like that, your career that will work. So we know that's going to happen. That's always going to happen at this point. But generally we kind of know now just what everybody's going to do and what kind of fits, fits our sort of stage set up. So. Brilliant. That was me trying to get a, a job choreographing you all. Now you've got the boy band outfits and that, you know, the ripped jeans now. We could totally resurrect that. We could totally love that. Too old for the ripped jeans now. That'd be well out. <laughs> <laughs> and earlier on you mentioned um, the dreaded 2020 that, you know, just put a stop to all the fun. What has it been like this year for, for you not being able to perform? I get, well, I, I'm not sure if you were able to perform at the start of the year before everything kind of shut down but um, I know you've like you were saying earlier on you've still been up to loads and, and still trying to connect with your fans and keep the music alive but what has it been like? Well at the, at the point when we went into lockdown you were actually in the middle of a US tour so we're, wow. we're only the second week into it um, or until then but we knew it was coming so we just literally had to finish that festival on the Saturday night and then we had to book new flights to get home and then since then it's just been it's been losing more gigs and gaining since then so um, yeah, but we just kind of just need to wait and see what's going to happen. But realistically, we're looking at probably June, July, the earliest I would say next year. I think it's um it's been it's been tough to, as a band um, because, like Martin said, we've, we've lost all work for like a whole year or whatever. But I think we are fortunate in a lot of ways that we've already we're already at the stage where we had a, a big fan base built, so that still exists. You know, even if we like. We're fortunate enough that they're, they're very loyal and support us a lot so that when we worked on stuff that involved not being on the roads, they've supported that and we could still keep music going in a sense. We could we'd do mm-hmm. live streams and we can release singles and stuff like that, you know. So we've definitely been fortunate that it's still we've still been able to keep some sort of contact with the fans going because had we not been as well known at this point, even as we are, it, it could have just been a total finisher for you, you know. You go, well, I'm obviously just not going to be able to do this anymore, mm-hmm. you know, like, we are lucky to just manage it to be keeping it going to some degree. So, And in some ways it has been nice because we're so busy all of the time to just take a wee, a wee breath for a minute because we haven't really done that for actually 15 years where we've just went, well, there's like a whole month where we haven't done anything. That's literally not never happened for 15 years where there's been that length of time. So that's actually been quite refreshing where you can sort of like reassess what you've been doing and maybe think about what you will do once you get the chance to do everything normally again. So there are positive things from it as well as mostly negative. Yeah. I think the outlook's probably just, certainly for me as well, I see we kind of sit back and there's a chance to actually digest what we've done and where we're at. So I think certainly looking at the future, we might do things slightly differently just just because we've had that time to sit, just to take a... Well, too long a time to take a breath. It's been a big breath, right enough. I know you're like, right, we're right, we're okay now. We can, we can, we can get going. But you mentioned the everyday's everyday heroes single and stuff. Like, was that just like a a want to connect with your fans and and to create something together and obviously you know show your support for the NHS? Yeah, it was, it was all very just all of it happened very quickly. Um, literally, the idea was put to me on a Sunday and I'd written the tune on the Monday morning and sent it to the guys. And within a couple of weeks, we had it. So we never planned. It was just like a, it was a very sort of quick last minute project thing. But you know, it's it's been great just to what it's generated for charity and, and the sort of exposure it got and the amount of, the amount of people that got involved and 
playing along with the tracks on Thursday night and, and and the video and stuff. So it's been great. And that's so the music music as a whole has just been incredible for folk. Like even Alex been doing his Friday night uh, lockdown shows and a, and a Friday on, on Facebook and stuff. And it's when we're in complete lockdown, that's what folk are saying how important music is to them, just to give them a bit of, a bit yeah, of cheer, yeah. you know. Absolutely. I think like we've all got a newfound love and respect for the arts in, in general and just how much we need it, yeah. how much we need them in our lives. But yeah, just that, that, that opportunity to do something a bit different. Like, I, I, I guess it's like, well, you could just sit in your hands for however long and, and just like the music could stop all together. But you've you've not, you've, you've, you've obviously taken the time, like you say, to reflect. And I guess it's just that need to still want to create and still want to be connected to your fans and just to each other like in terms of music like it's really difficult just to stop all together yeah definitely and i'd like i'd say the everyday heroes one was the biggest example of it but it does it does feel like you're all kind of together in some way when folk are sharing it and tagging everybody in it and they're all sending videos and going here's me on my front step playing it in the pipes and all that so like, if we could make if we could make every song we did be like that much of a joint effort would be amazing you know because it's such a cool feeling if we're for it to feel like the whole of Scotland or whoever it is is getting involved in something, you know. So maybe you right. can do, do that with every song in the future. <laughs> just get anybody who plays pipes to play on it and just send a video in. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. <laughs> and like you were saying, like moving forward, like it's, it, it is obviously hard to plan and things will be getting shifted and moved and goalposts and all the rest of it. But have you got like a to-do list, a want list, a wish list for the band that you're just adding to all the time, or are you just very much reactive to what comes up and what's available at the, you know, when the opportunity arises? A bit, a bit of both. We're kind of we've got a couple of projects we're working on at the moment, and then we're kind of just waiting, probably for more guidance, just to see when things are gonna gonna open up. Because as you say, it's hard to plan. We can't really start booking stuff and flights and things again, and you know the possibility of losing them or, or not being able to change them and stuff. So mm. um, we'll just, just need to roll with it for a wee bit longer, I think. But so we'll, we'll have a, a couple of other things in the, in the pipeline at the moment anyway for, for online and stuff. So. Brilliant. So obviously the other members of the band are not here, so I'm giving you free reign. If you were to think of each member in the band, including yourselves, and you can maybe do this for each other, has each member of the band got like a kind of significant trait about them is there just specific things that just you're like yeah that is totally Alec that is totally Martin I think I think there's certainly certainly a, a few that I mean Martin comes to mind for me straight away I've just been the one who's just goofing about all the time you know like this he's, he's always got some sort of nonsense on the go um, good Scott, Scott's one for sleeping like Scott just sleeps all the time generally we're going to, we're going to like sound check somewhere and like we'll set up and then we'll just turn around he'll be sleeping under a table somewhere having a wee nap <laughs> Uh-huh. I'd say I'd say um, JB the bass player he's like a very chilled out character you know he's just very laid back and he just seems to like you turn around and he just looks like he's lost all the time <laughs> 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 Comes, he's, you always sort of catch him coming at an elevator which he's done about 20 times at whatever hotel and then he's like which way was this again it was just like he's no idea like he's never been there <laughs> I'd say that's Jody. I love it <laughs> so yeah the Braun and the Brave is all about people and their passions and you're clearly very passionate about the music that you produce and just to get to know you that wee bit more, I wonder if you'll indulge me in um, the thingamabobs. These are random questions that I like to ask my guests on the podcast. No pressure. Oh dear. So I'll put the question out and then you can each dive in to answer. No problem. Okay, right. 
talking about the book, I'm still I'm I'm pushing this book. If you were to write a book about Scary War, what would you call it? Oh, well, <laughs> that seems like. I mean, it took us long enough to figure out what the name of the band was going to be. Uh, you know? That took us two years. <laughs> well, spent- actually. I had to look. I had to look it up. This is podcast is like an education because I didn't know what like a scary was, which is a small island that can't be inhabited. Yeah, I mean the, the whole name Scary Board is is like an an anglicised version of a Gaelic word. I think basically meaning what generally like big rock, isn't it? Essentially, like mm. yeah, yeah. So it's that's where the the, the Scary Board Lighthouse kind of sits. Got you. And what? Where are there other? I mean, you don't need to tell us, but where are there other possible names? For the band, probably some other, other terrible ones. I think, guy. Uh, yeah, because I mean, we're all in a school band that were like, "Why did we call ourselves that?" <laughs> we still say yeah. that over this. <laughs> yeah. So when people say it back to you and it's totally wrong, you're just like, "Why did we? I mean, why did we pick this name?" <laughs> <laughs> so the book. We'll go back to the book. What would you call it? Just the first thing that pops in your head today. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Stumped you. Stumped you. Uh, I think it need to be something something mischievous sounding for all the all the tales that be. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> but for creative people, we haven't, haven't half got a bit. Come of on, boys! Come on. It's Monday. To be fair, it's Monday. If you could only hear one song forevermore, what song would it be? Um, well, you said because you just pick the first thing that comes to your head, and I could change my mind tomorrow. I'll say I can't make you love me, as sung by Bonnie Raitt. Chin. Because that's that's a great song. It'd take me a while to get sick of hearing that, I think. <laughs> Martin? Martin's oh. the Campbellton Lock. I wish you were with you. <laughs> I, I was going to say the Dark Island because I was playing that in the box last night. I'll go for that. That'll do. Very that. nice. You're a big chip. I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one end of the spectrum to another. <laughs> well, that just perfectly sums up Scary Word, does it, no? Uh. Yeah, I mean, we've got a right mix there. Oh, here's a deep one. Or maybe not. Depends on what your answer is. <laughs> what, what does the world need more of? Love, sweet love. I couldn't disagree with that. <laughs> or whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're talking about food earlier on. We did our uh, test record and I found out just what Skidamore have for their breakfast. But um, if you were to have a desert island meal, so you were going to go on a desert island and you were allowed to eat anything before you went on the desert island, what would you eat? Steak. Chips, peppercorn sauce, and a, and a side of scallops or something like that. Just go gung ho. And a bottle of wine. Go for it. Go all in. Well, my wife Amber is, is vegan, so I'm mostly, I'm about 90% vegan, but when I do, maybe once a week, go off my nut and just eat whatever I want, because I'm still not, I don't strictly say I'm vegan. What I do is I get a Chinese takeaway, and I, and I don't have it vegan at all, so... I always feel like that would be my, my last supper type thing, like just yeah. the, the absolute works from the Chinese, you know. Until you feel until you feel ill and you're just like, what am I up to here? I'm still eating it. I don't feel well anymore. And you're still just ramming it in, you know. Like, <laughs> and then about an hour later, you're like, I'm a bit peckish. Like... <laughs> Stop taking out the bin again. <laughs> well, it's all coming out now. It's all coming out now. <laughs> Best gig you have ever been to and that could be a skateboard gig or another gig I think, I've not been to many other gigs but I think one that stands out for me is Rumrig at Edinburgh Castle a few years ago Mine's would be the Eagles I saw them at Hamden when I was 16 with my, my mum and dad 
Um, and that was my first proper big gig. So, and, and it's probably one of my favourite bands. So definitely that one. Brilliant. And I switch up all these questions, but the last one that I ask every single person on the podcast, because it is called The Bra and the Brave, what is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Uh, there's so many. Glaikit is the one that comes to mind. Glaikit. Comes up a lot. Yeah. I often wonder if it's because people are looking at me when I ask them that question. I'm like, I'm starting to get a wee bit of a complex. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. There's so many. Martin's got a wee glint in his eye and I'm like, he's thinking, yeah, one of the ones I need to make my podcast explicit. I uh, know, I'm not going to say that. is another good one. Scunnard. That, that is a good one. Yeah, Bob, I got so that's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's came up. It's all right, we've got the explicit sign. It's yeah. been there, done that. You're a well, I kind of reframed it as a... You're a bra bag, which yeah. means you're a good gent. There you go. Thank you so much for doing this. I massively appreciate it. It's lovely to meet you, albeit virtually. Yep. And uh, the new single, I love it. Absolutely. The video is brilliant. Totally love it. I wish you an amazing 2021, because we're nearly there. And hopefully it's fun-filled and loads of gigs and lots of live experiences, because we just need need more music in our lives, for sure. Absolutely. Thanks for chatting with us. Yeah, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Bra and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.